0: Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Japan was left in shock as another horrific child-on-child murder took place within the country. This time, an 11-year-old 6th grader attacked her friend in a classroom and left her to bleed out. After the incident, the killer became a meme, even somewhat of an online celebrity. She's still talked about to this day and is one of the most infamous killers in Japan's history, as well as possibly one of the most well-known child killers ever, especially online. You may have even seen her around and not even noticed. In this newest installment of the In Full detail series, I'm going to be going over this case in more detail than you've probably heard before, delving deeper into the Japanese sources to try to dig up some more information. This week, Yours App has been kind enough to collaborate with me on this video. Yours App is a self-care app designed to help you take care of yourself in all sorts of ways. The whole aim is to give you a place where you can relax and take care of yourself, even improve yourself. You've got everything from specially developed meditation rituals to yoga practices to even soundscapes and a lot more, including sleep stories to listen to, which is something that I'm sure you'd probably like if you enjoy videos like mine. Not only are there all sorts of stories on there, but there's also music and all sorts of other stuff that can help you relax. One of my favorite sections of the app is the psychology section. It's a section full of short, bite-sized, easily digestible psychology tips from well-established psychologists all over the UK. There are tips on everything from dealing with stress, to building relationships, to getting back to life after isolation. I'd say that one of the coolest things about yours app is that it's all personalized to your taste. You don't have to go through a whole bunch of video and audio files on YouTube only to come up with nothing. Not only does it save you time, but you'll end up with a lot more in the end anyway. All you have to do is take about five minutes out of your day to be mindful, with yours app acting as your own personal assistant to guide you and help you out. Not only is yours app jam-packed full of content in comparison to other similar wellness apps, but it's even cheaper in the end. Speaking of more bang for your buck, head over to yoursapp.com slash Dyer to get a huge 60% off discount from the yearly Yours App subscription. Or just sign up using the code Dyer. Signing up for the app directly supports this channel, too. The subject of our video today is a girl that was only referred to in the media as Girl A. If you saw my video on the Sakakibara case in which the criminal was also only referred to as Boy A, this will probably sound a bit familiar to you. After too long, we did have her real name, Natsumi Tsuji, but I'm going to be calling her by the name she was most known by online, Nevada Tan, and just for the sake of brevity, I'm going to just call her Nevada most of the time. But first, a little background info. Back in 1997, a 14-year-old boy really shook up the entire country when he killed two other children and left one of their heads outside the main gate of an elementary school. This case changed everything, and the age of criminal responsibility was lowered from 16 to 14. After a case in which a man entered a school in Osaka and stabbed a bunch of the students, a lot of schools beefed up security to deal with such threats. However, many of the precautions they put into place were centered around dealing with outside threats, not threats from within. The consequences of only lowering the age of responsibility by two years and by failing to enhance security within schools would result in the scale and impact of today's case. But how so? Let's start from the beginning. Our subject today is who they call Nevada Tan. We don't know a lot about her home life or a lot about her background in general. It seems that Nevada normally barely spoke a word to those around her for the majority of the time. Even when it came to her parents, she rarely spoke, mainly communicating with one-word answers and grunts. It was originally rumored that her father was abusive towards her, but later remarks have revealed that this was not true. He regularly complimented her and would recommend books for her to read, which she happily did most of the time. Her home life was relatively normal in the end, from what it seems. Nevada was definitely known for being a pretty big nerd, or an otaku in Japan. She was mainly into horror, specifically more violent and gory horror. One of her favorite media was a movie called Battle Royale, a movie in which a group of school kids are dropped onto an island and forced to fight to the death with a random assortment of weapons. It's admittedly a cool setup, and she definitely found this to be true herself. Another personal favorite of hers was the flash animation Red Room meme. This was a website that would ask the viewer, do you like Red Rooms, and to make a long story short, It would kill the viewer somehow and paint the room red with their blood. It was a pretty big urban legend at the time, and there were a lot of memes and fanfiction surrounding it. She stayed in her room pretty much any time that she wasn't at school, usually browsing the good old 2003-2004 internet. According to her mother, the internet changed her, and not for the better. Nevada eventually decided to make her own website on an old platform called Cafesta, which was almost like a combination of LiveJournal and Gaia, where you could post about yourself and develop your own avatar. A classmate named Satomi found her on this platform, and eventually the two started communicating. They hit it off, became friends, and even started hanging out in real life at school as well. Satomi Mitarai, her friend, was 12 years old at the time and was the daughter of a higher-level employee at a popular newspaper, the Mainichi Shimbun. She was the youngest of three kids, the only daughter, and her father doted on her a lot because of that. Her mom had died of cancer just a few years prior, back in 2001, and she was now living in a house with her father and brother, with her oldest brother being away at university. After her mother's death, her father's job ended up bringing her to the city, where she enrolled in Okubo Elementary School, the same school as Nevada. For a while, she never had any problems at school. Her father notably never heard her complain about school in general. She started hanging out with Nevada more and more. They even joined a basketball club together that met after school. However, Nevada ultimately had to leave the group to focus on her studies the two kept in touch online though and kept exchanging their journals and sending each other links that they found interesting at the time leaving the club didn't seem like too big of a deal but it was likely the original source of nevada's problems this club and in turn her friend were what she called her ibasho which basically means the same thing as one's happy place in english this left her with only one other ibasho: the internet She got used to becoming more and more isolated, and the internet became mainly her only place to socialize outside of limited conversation at school. According to most people at her school, Nevada was in the upper or middle tier of grades in her class and was usually a quiet, composed girl. Until the end of fifth grade, that is, when her mental state began to grow unstable. She was suddenly unable to look people in the eye when conversing, and she began to go into a frenzy over small, trivial matters that irritated her but seemed inconsequential to everyone around her. She would hurl all manners of verbal abuse at her classmates and, on occasions, even held up a box cutter in a threatening manner towards other students. At one point, a male student began to annoy her at school. She reacted by punching him, kicking him, pushing him down, and trampling all over him. She screamed at another student who tried to intervene, eventually yelling shit and walking away. That tantrum was over, but it would not be her last, and it would not be her worst. On other occasions, she would participate in group bullying against other students. This only got worse as she entered sixth grade. Satomi, growing more and more concerned, reported this to their teacher, but it fell upon deaf ears as Nevada was doing well in her studies and, to the teachers, seemed to be a model student. Nevada stated that she either wanted to become an author or a manga artist and began writing her own stories. One story was notably very similar to Battle Royale in that all of the students of a certain class were forced to battle to the death. All of the characters had names and personalities that were suspiciously similar to her own classmates. Disturbingly, she came up with violent and creative ways to kill all of them within the story. Somehow, she was able to stay friends with Satomi, although the friendship was somewhat strained. One day, in a rare, playful mood, she hopped onto Satomi's back at school, piggyback style, just messing around. This was when Satomi grunted and told her, jokingly, you're heavy. Nevada was taken aback by this and angrily responded, don't be rude. Despite being very thin and Satomi's comment being said in jest, she was very conscious about her weight and was deeply offended by the comment. Nevada soon fell out of favor with the students around her, to say the least, and over time, her relationship with Satomi soured as well. Satomi wrote about Nevada on her own profile, saying she tries to play all cute and innocent. Nevada, having been friends before, knew her password and logged in, deleting the comment. They had a bit of back and forth, with Satomi saying that she knew who messed with her website. In response, Nevada logged in and deleted her avatar, which took quite a bit of work to make on Cafesta. Nevada later had similar issues with another girl during a group project in which they all shared access to a document online. This also became an argument that got out of hand. It's reported that, later on, most likely again on Cafesta, Satomi posted about Nevada again, this time insulting her a bit more harshly, again calling her heavy. Likely because it gained such a reaction the last time. Nevada, trying to save face, ordered her to take it back and delete the comment. Satomi refused, reportedly calling her pretentious as well. Nevada, annoyed more and more that these comments wouldn't stop, ended up with the deep desire to kill Satomi and end all communication with her once and for all. She thought about it for quite a long time and had even considered using either an ice pick or just purely strangling Satomi. Eventually, she decided upon a box cutter after getting some inspiration from a drama that she had been watching one fateful night. It was a TV drama called Monday Mystery Theater, which was a Korean drama that showcased several people being murdered with a box cutter one week. The quick, effective killings on screen fascinated Nevada and helped her to come to a decision on how she would proceed. Then the day of the incident came. It was a Tuesday, June 1st, 2004. That morning at the Okubo Elementary School, Satomi told one of her friends that she wanted to leave a big online group in which they were all sharing journal entries, likely in order to distance herself from Nevada. Word of this got back around to Nevada, who it seems was moderating the group, or at least had some control over it. She was visibly not pleased by this, but responded to the messenger, do whatever you want. However, the issue wouldn't end here, not by a long shot. A few hours later, as students started prepping for lunch, Nevada approached Satomi and told her, could you come with me for a minute? She led her back to an empty classroom at the end of the hallway, where she closed the curtains and sat Satomi down in a chair. She looked at her and told her, coldly, today, you're going to die. Unusually, it seems that Satomi didn't try to run away when this happened. It's very likely that she thought Nevada wasn't serious, as most sixth graders would assume. Nevada then asked if Satomi would like her to cover her eyes with a handkerchief when it happened, but she declined. So, Nevada instead put her right hand over Satomi's eyes and pulled the box cutter out in her left. She slit Satomi's throat from behind, very deep and wide. Satomi stood up from the chair and resisted in complete panic, causing Nevada to fight back, slashing her multiple times over the arms, notably on her left wrist. Satomi, suffering from extreme blood loss due to all of her wounds, quickly collapsed to the ground after a short scuffle. Nevada sat down next to her on the ground, waiting until she could confirm that Satomi was no longer moving. Once she felt confident that she was dead, Nevada left and returned to her classroom. By the time the students started to eat, the teacher in charge of the class during lunch realized that Satomi and Nevada were missing. Right after, she heard quick footsteps running up to the classroom. Nevada then entered with her clothes completely covered in blood. Completely silent, she stood there with both the bloody box cutter and the handkerchief clasped in her hand. The teacher, thinking she had hurt herself somehow with the box cutter, ran over and checked her over, opening her hands to see how bad her wound was, only to see nothing. The teacher, starting to panic, began to demand answers. Nevada finally spoke, saying, It's not my blood. It's not me. She pointed toward the room where she had just murdered Satomi, saying, I've done something bad. Nevada led the teacher to the body, crying the whole way there. The teacher came across Satomi's completely still body and called for help. The teacher then held Satomi, trying to stop the blood. She was still breathing at the time. Other students and teachers, hearing the screaming, came into the room. They were greeted by the sight of blood spatter all over the walls and the broken-off box-cutter knife blade on the floor, covered in blood. They shortly after called for an ambulance. Satomi's father was also called, and he rushed to the scene by taxi. The ambulance had trouble finding the classroom, so the teachers opened the curtains to wave them in, illuminating the horrific crime scene to see in all detail for the first time. By the time the medics arrived, Satomi's heart had already stopped. She had died from blood loss. Taking her to the hospital wouldn't have been any use. Satomi's father then arrived, seeing the gruesome scene for himself. The cuts to her neck were about 10 centimeters deep and wide, extremely vicious. The cuts to her left wrist were so deep that the bone was visible. The scene was so bad that many students, school employees, and first responders were left with cases of PTSD. The attacker, a meek-looking 11-year-old girl, was taken into police custody. She decided to open up a bit, and she began being questioned voluntarily. She completely admitted to the investigators that she had attacked Satomi unprovoked. In a tearful confession, she told them that she had realized she had done a bad thing. This was, to say the least, an understatement. Her mother rushed to the station and came to see her in custody. She tried to get information out of Nevada and find out what happened, but she mainly cried and didn't speak. Back at school, all of the afternoon classes were canceled. Students were gradually sent home grade by grade in groups. However, the sixth-graders were all left at school, with the teachers ready to probe them for information about the incident and about the relationship between the two girls. Nevada spent the night at the police station, sobbing and refusing to eat. She repeatedly apologized to any officers who happened to come in and see her. For a while, she refused to give any sort of motivation for why she had attacked Satomi, which confused the police and had them basically begging for answers. Initially, she just said there was no motive. She just did it. It was possible that she had started to see how trivial the whole thing was and started to feel embarrassed or ashamed of it. We'll never know for sure, but shortly after, she did admit to the police that it was an online argument that led to the murder. She told the police officers that Satomi was once a close friend, but she started writing comments about her online that she didn't like. She said, I had asked her to stop, but she didn't. We got into an argument, and I got tired of it all. Naturally, the public was shocked when word got out about the murder, mainly because of the ages of the two kids involved and the brutality of the attack. A sixth grader killing a classmate with a knife, something like that happening is well beyond imagination, said a top government spokesman named Hiroyuki Hosoda at a news conference. They did identify the victim as Satomi Mitarai, only 12 years old, the daughter of Kyoji Mitarai, a bureau chief of the Mainichi Shimbun. Satomi's father spoke to a news conference, telling them that he had no idea how an incident like this could even happen. He couldn't fathom it. And he couldn't comprehend the loss of his daughter, either, saying that she was as necessary as heir to him. That my daughter could no longer be with me is unbelievable. But the unbelievable has happened, he told the reporters. The media reported to the people that Nevada, Girl A's trial, would appear in family court and it was likely that she would end up in a special reformatory institution for children, but this hadn't yet been decided on. At the time, in Japan, children under the age of 14 couldn't be prosecuted for certain crimes, at least not with traditional sentencing in jail or juvenile hall. After the Sakakibara case a few years prior, the age had been lowered to 14, but officials were very reluctant to lower it any further. Almost a year later, in March of 2005, a graduation ceremony was to be held at Okubo Elementary School. A graduation yearbook was prepared as well, and within the book there was a blank page. Students were to use this page to place their own pictures of Nevada, Satomi, or both of them if they like. Photographs were distributed to the students over CDs, which school staff later took back and destroyed to keep them from being leaked to the public. Satomi was posthumously given a graduation certificate, which her father accepted on her behalf. Nevada was given one as well, given that it would be required for her to ever enter middle school, and the school believed she would need it if it were ever possible for her to reintegrate back into society, whenever that may be. This case had many members of the public crying for harsher penalties when it came to juveniles who committed violent crimes. The age of responsibility had been lowered from 16 to 14, but seeing this case, that obviously didn't do the trick. In fact, violent crimes committed by those under the age of 14 had risen by almost 50% just in the last few years alone. The police still weren't absolutely sure where Nevada would end up. Although a reformatory program was likely, it wasn't set in stone yet. They continued to inform the local child welfare office of her actions and status. That office would be the one that decided whether the case went to a family court or if she went straight into a support facility. There were a few implications behind each possible option. If the case were to go to a family court, it would be possible that the court could place Nevada into a juvenile home where she would be monitored and protected. If she were, she could be held for a number of weeks while the case was still under investigation, and it would be possible to look into her family background and submit her to various psychiatric testing. Then, if it was decided that there was indeed criminal activity at place, which was evident to say the least, they would decide on a correction program for her. The other option was more simple, just going straight into a reformatory program. Nevada's name continued to officially be simply Girl A in the media due to her juvenile status. To this day, you'll see most Japanese media refer to her in this way. However, early on, her picture started leaking out into the internet. Her classmates were very active online, especially on early social media, so this was bound to happen. It actually only took a few days for her name to first leak out as well. Her drawings and fan fiction had been showcased on Japanese TV during a news broadcast about the incident. On the drawings, her signature, Natsumi Tsuji, was left very clearly visible. People obviously noticed this, and it didn't take long for pictures of the broadcast to end up online as well. Girl A quickly went from being known by that moniker to being much more well-known by another one, the one she's still known by today on the internet, Nevada Tan. Once her class photos leaked online, they quickly made their way onto 2-channel, basically 4chan in Japan. She was given this nickname because of a photograph shared online in which she was wearing a University of Nevada sweatshirt. Before her real name gradually came to light, this name had more time to really embed itself into internet culture and really stick. The tan in Nevada tan is like a baby-like pronunciation of the word chan, which is usually used to refer to younger girls, mainly serving as a comment on how young she really looked. She quickly became a living meme and an online juggernaut. All sorts of fan art and fan fiction were created around her in a relatively short amount of time. A lot of the fan art ranged from fairly innocent to very concerning. She exploded in popularity over all sorts of image boards at the time, including, of course, 2 Channel, but later on Futaba Channel as well. Eventually, she even made her international debut on 4chan. A lot of the fan art of her is done in a cutesy, anime sort of style, with a lot of the images containing a lot of gore and many more containing her signature box cutter. There are now even entire blogs and websites that solely exist to collect and compile information about Nevada Tan. Once she exploded in popularity, the store that sold that particular University of Nevada sweater online reported that it quickly became their most popular item in the store over a period of just a few weeks. Once they realized exactly why it had gotten that popular, however, they temporarily made the shirt unavailable. Nevada Tan's popularity began to surge in the West, mainly on the English-speaking web. She was a common subject of art and discussion on image boards. An Irma Dictionary page was made for her very early on in August of 2004, and an Encyclopedia Dramatica page was made in 2006. She was also fairly popular on Something Awful and DeviantArt around this time as well. Her popularity poured out into the real world, too, as she became a popular cosplay choice among both Japanese and Western convention attendees. Nevada herself was eventually sent to a reformatory in the Tochigi Prefecture, The decision to institutionalize her was mainly made due to the severe violent nature of her crime it was hoped that here she could develop some social skills that would benefit her once she went back into society originally she was sentenced to two years of involuntary commitment but she failed to perform much better during the psychological evaluations over these two years and her sentence was ultimately extended by another two years It was found during testing that, mainly due to her obsessive personality and her inability to communicate well with others, that she most likely had some form of autism or was on the spectrum somewhere. She was subsequently formally diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. The choice of this certain facility piqued the interest of the public once it was realized that this facility was the only one in the country that had the power to place the girls into solitary confinement. After her four years were up in 2008, it was announced that the local authorities wouldn't seek to extend her a sentence any longer, but she could stay voluntarily if she wished. The ongoing debate over whether or not to lower the age of responsibility raged on. The public was made really uneasy after the murders, mainly because Nevada was seen as being such a nice, well-adjusted little girl before this whole thing happened. They started to wonder if this sort of sudden, violent change could happen to anyone, their kids, or even themselves. What was causing it in the first place, and what could they do to prevent it? The whole case was handled horribly by the media throughout the debacle. Not only was Nevada's name released on the news itself, but many ministers and government officials were handling things with, let's say, damn near zero tact. A public minister at the time, Kiichi Noe, got into a lot of trouble by asserting that this case was probably due to women becoming stronger and more assertive over the years, blaming the case on a failure to follow more traditional gender norms. Men have committed thoughtless, harsh acts, but I think this is the first for a girl. Recently, the difference between men and women is shrinking, he said. His comments drew a lot of ire from the public, mainly from women's groups, but from all walks of life in general. Another member of the Japanese diet, Sarakuzu Tanagi, also came under heavy criticism after he started describing Nevada positively in public, using words such as genki, which is a word usually translated as lively that carries obvious positive, even complimentary connotations. He also then made some not-so-tactful statements about her gender himself, saying, Arson was the sort of crime women engaged in when I was young. Men did things such as cutting with knives, commenting on the shift in typical crimes by gender, which likely only existed in his mind as he didn't really cite any sources and it wasn't really statistically even evident. And as these things tend to go, games and movies were blamed for the crime as well, being that Nevada was such a fan of the Red Room Flash animation and the Battle Royale movie. Although she did admit that a TV drama influenced her decision on what weapon to use, she stated that she had the idea to kill before that. However, this mention of a specific drama in particular gave the critics more ammunition to use in this case in particular. After a few more years, Nevada Tan, Natsumi Tsuji, was released from her reformatory in 2013 when she was 20 years old, the age of adulthood in Japan. She is now doing her best to reintegrate into society. In some ways, I feel like this case is almost the culmination of a lot of other cases that I've covered on this channel. The obvious case is the Sakakibara case, which came up on its own several times throughout the video, and then there was also the bit about the Osaka Elementary School massacre, which, you know, caused the schools to beef up security. The blame of manga, games, movies, and entertainment in general kind of takes us back to the otaku killer case, and the meme status and fan art and fame surrounding Nevada is very reminiscent of the Yuka Takaoka case. Alright, so this section was basically one big plug, but I I do feel it's true. This case is kind of almost the linchpin between all of the others, the the intersection. I guess we'll have to see if any more cases in the future happen to link back to this one.